0: As we go to the scripture this morning, these are really um, familiar words, and like I said earlier, it was it was pretty amazing to, to just kind of look back at this story and, and try and unwrap some of the things that, that are so appropriate for us today, and uh, there, are, there are tons of things, and so look forward to that, but see if you can pick some of those out as Betsy reads the scripture this morning.
1: I'm reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all in Jerusalem with him. they left for their own country by another road holy wisdom holy word Thank you.
0: so last sunday was the annual blessing of the toys sunday and it was all about bringing you know information about what you'd receive at christmas time and that, that each one of the folks who came were asked if they wanted to i think uh, to share why that gift was so appropriate and so important to them. And so it really was a time of kind of looking back and celebrating. Where this morning is all about looking ahead. Um, At least beginning to look ahead. But it is Epiphany Sunday, and an epiphany is what? A realization. Immediately, when I asked that at first service, there was this, Uh Aha! Okay. (laughs) Epiphany is that that moment of aha, and you're going to see a bunch of images that that are going to flow through about why is this Sunday that we celebrate the wise men and remember them, why is this so important, particularly as we look at epiphanies in our own lives and even epiphanies in our church, as we look at gifts, as we look at The journey, as we look at all those things, and so as I went back and looked at this story, don't groan, but I found 15 things uh, that many of which I hadn't really noticed before, and I am just finding these so intriguing. First one is where did they come from? The east. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, East was a place of wisdom, or for those living in that time. Believe that. The other thing about the East, it was the place of the sunrise, of new beginnings, a new day, and even new understandings, and in this case, a new epiphany or a new realization for these travelers. Third, we know that they traveled afar, a long distance, and they sought answers, and particularly sought one that they knew would be an answer. Therefore, they took it all on, and they sought to come. And not only offer their gifts, but kneel at the feet of a child and worship him. According to Scripture, they brought gifts, and you saw some of those in just a minute. And they were there were three, and they were oh, my God, and, my and what is so great about the hymn that we just sang is it gives you the specific meaning of each of those gifts. And, and it's, it's amazing. All I have to do is turn to that hymn. If you want to know why gold, why frankincense, and why myrrh, just look at, the, look at that hymn. It's, it's the perfect explanation of what those represented Well, number six, what about the fact that they listened and studied about the coming of one who was going to transform the world? Seven, they realized that this is not just someone who was coming for the nation of Israel. This figure was coming for a much broader audience. Remember that they'd spent time watching, waiting, learning, and studying for such a time as this, and they knew what to look for, and once it came, they responded with action. And again, please remember, these were not Jewish folks. These were people from very different locations, whether it was North Africa or Greece or even beyond that, to the East. And again, East being a place of wisdom. In many ways, what we can say about this group was that they were spiritual, but not religious. They didn't necessarily follow dogmas and laws and those things. What they looked for was something that was going to transform. And once they realized what it was, they went and not only worshipped him, But then what's amazing is they went home a different direction or in a different way. And I'll touch on that in just a second. And let's remember that they had to both be prepared and committed to wherever this trip was going to take them. And they had to trust what they understood, what they had witnessed, what they had studied would ultimately lead them to the one they sought to worship. Given that these were some type of kings, we know that they had to prioritize in such a way as to leave their kingdoms and take the time it would take to find this figure, even in the midst of exceptionally busy lives. And the journey, particularly from the east, was potentially treacherous, filled with the unknown and no doubt intimidating, and yet they took it on. And finally throughout this journey, we have to assume that they took this journey and protected and directed and motivated throughout this time each other. It's an amazing story. And then, where do they end up? And we don't know if it was the manger or a house. It says house. So was Jesus maybe a little bit older But once again, what do they do? But they come in very much like the shepherds at the manger that night. And what was Mary's response to these kind of dirty, filthy, not really lovable folks that came to visit the child? I mean, again, I I will say it again. Nobody grew up wanting to be a shepherd. Nobody. They were the least Uh, uh, of everyone. And yet, what did Mary do with the shepherds? She bid them to come, to see, to witness this child. One end of the spectrum. Now we have the other end of the spectrum, do we not? We have kings. Kings who come and do the same thing as the shepherds. But they also do what was politically correct. They go and see Herod, but then... The law said they had to return to Herod. And instead, knowing what was coming, because they had listened and waited and learned, they broke the law in going a different direction. There is so much to this story. But even then, Mary and Joseph greeted them and welcomed them to see and honor this child. It's just, I mean, it's a remarkable, remarkable story. So what does that mean for us? Well, first of all, what I realized is I thank God every day that we live on the east side. Oh, my heavens. What, what does the east represent? Thank you very much. I will say it again. I thank God every day. And by the way, you guys live on the east side of Mukilteo, so it's, it's okay. But, but the east side and, and the east side of West Seattle... Kind of. I mean, Alki's west of you, right, Christy? So, oh my heavens. Now, some would argue that uh, those in eastern Washington may be wiser than we, or those who are on the east coast, or that they've crossed over to the other side because I don't know where the east stops and the west begins. But, but, so we need to be wise, but here's the deal. And, and, and in, in all honesty and in all seriousness, what I find on the east side is one of the strangest phenomenons that I've ever seen in ministry. And that is that there is no clergy group that gets together to coordinate the efforts of the churches on the east side. That is not wise. And my my hope is that this year, we can be invitational enough to others, whether they're mainline or others, to begin to coordinate those efforts to bring wisdom to the actions that we choose to take. On the east side, that's my hope. Second, every single one of us here at Aldersgate have to trust that the one we're seeking The one that we're seeking to follow is the one born of God and was God's purest form ever to live on this planet. And again, I have to remind us the spectrum of what that means. From the least and the most needy, those, and I will mention to you at this service, we had four folks that this church helped, one of whom is... He just got the diagnosis that he has about six weeks to live. And he's homeless. And you helped pay some of his medical bills. You helped fill his gas tank. And he was here not to receive this morning, not to receive financial help. What he came here this morning to receive was encouragement, to be surrounded by love and grace, and to be in a community because he has no other community. And I would ask that you continue to pray for David, particularly in this time, and I will update you as things progress. David found Christ here in this place, in you, in us. Next, we need to be assured that Jesus is worth studying, worth following, and worth spending our lives honoring and even emulating. Very much like the wise men. And like the wise men, we need to allow Jesus to change us. And I love this part of the story. To help us leave this place and go in a different direction, spiritually. That this has to be a place of transformation, or why are we here? This has to be a place where not only are we transformed, but everyone around us can have the possibility of transformation. David, again, is the perfect example of this. David found Christ in this church. And he is afraid. And yet, he is encouraged to know that he will not die alone because of you. Let's also remember... That like the wise men, we come from different places. But we find our purpose, our direction, and that which will define our future in Christ. And to that end, we need to see ourselves traveling together on this journey. I think we've seen that as we've explored the kitchen remodel. Now, not all of us agreed that the kitchen should be done. And yet here we are and... If you looked at the list of the supporters, some of those who supported this project were opposed to it. And yet, out of their heart of hearts, chose to support the ministries of Aldersgate by giving toward the kitchen. And I want to say thank you. And you look at what's happened. I mean, the kitchen committee, who's met for so long and tried to help bring that information. And what I will say again is that kitchen is like a kitchen in any home. The place that I would much rather sit when I do pastoral calls is not in the living room. It is at the kitchen table. Because that's where most major decisions are made. Or that's where most of the incredible conversations can happen. And that's what will happen because of this remodel. And we're now going to soon enter a time where I want to talk intentionally about growing this church. And what you will hear from me and from other leaders in the church is this phrase, and you heard me talk about it at at Christmas, and even before Christmas. It's each one reach one. And what I I mean by that is not just that we look at the poorest of the poor or the feeding programs or those. We are surrounded, friends, by folks who are, are searching, folks who are looking for a place of community, folks who need Things like what Jeff identified and Cindy identified earlier in this church, whether it's a ride to the doctor or just a voice of encouragement. Roger, who sat right, over where, right by where Ben was, talked about the fact that one of the prayers that he asked for was that we help people see their potential no matter the age. And isn't that what we do? And I, I know that there are those that, that offer programs, particularly to young women who are looking for what is the future for them. In this church. But are there other things that we might be taking on? Each one reach one. And I think of Mary and the invitation that she offered to both the shepherds and to the kings. The spectrum. So God is calling us. Uh, in, in, in the prayer time over these last couple of weeks, just God is calling us to, to a number of things. First, God is calling us to pray. To intentionally pray for each other, for each of the two services that we offer, to the programs that we offer, to the each one reach one, and and, and for what we're looking at doing in 2016, like offering these forums. I've got to share this story with you. I got it this morning um, from Julie Flahiff. And it hit very close to home because, as Dorothy will tell you, we dealt with something very similar to this while I was serving at Santa Monica. The story came out that a small church, I think it was North Carolina, as the pastor was praying at their New Year's Eve service, something had him look up. And from the back doors of the church walked in a man carrying a rifle and a magazine full of ammunition. What do you do? He, be, he, he finished his prayer, immediately stepped away from the pulpit, walked down the center aisle. He did not confront this young man, who I think was 23 years old. He looked him in the eye and said, What can I do for you? And the man began to weep. And he said to him, May I take those from you? And he called one of the leaders of the church and gently received the weapons from him. And immediately again, the young man broke down. And he began to share his story. And friends, this was in the middle of worship. Began to share his story about what had happened to him in the last couple of weeks. One, he just got out of prison. He didn't have a whole lot of hope. He came in, to, to cause damage. And what they did is they surrounded him in prayer. And what they, those in the congregation said was the power of the Spirit was palpable in that moment. A palpable presence. And what they did is they brought him and they sat him down. They surrounded him, embraced him. And there was an altar call at the end of the worship service. And the first one up was this young man who accepted Christ that day, New Year's Eve evening. Not every one of the stories turns out like that. But we need to be a place where that possibility exists. Again, we saw the same thing in Santa Monica. But I've got to tell you, what if we continue to be that place where the conversations can happen? What, What if we continue to be that place that will unite the churches together to deal with these kinds of situations that surround us every day or to be a place where we can talk about this stuff openly and honestly and disagree even around some of these things. Whether it's homelessness or gun violence or any of those other things that we, like Mary and like Joseph, offer those kinds of invitations to come and allow this community to potentially move a different direction. Those are the kinds of things that I think about as we look at 2016 and the new year. It is like the wise men. And what what would happen then is it would open up even more possibilities for us to bring our gifts. Not just these forums, but the work of the church. I think of what just happened this morning with the children and the awareness that they're now getting around Syrian refugees, and that they can be instrumental in changing the lives of another human being. Isn't that what the church is to be? Well, as I said, this year is poised to be a year of incredible opportunity for us. A year of growth, a year of deepening, a year of sharing, and a year of becoming known. But we need to journey together on this. We need to journey together on this toward that mission. And our mission statement is the perfect statement that guides us. We are continuing to become an even more vibrant and inclusive Christian community growing in faith, love, health, and service. And what happened 30 years after the wise men came to visit this child is the child had grown, was baptized, and came out and offered something that no one else had offered before, and really since. Yet this is an opportunity for us to be like him. And he gathered 12 around a table after he had concluded pretty much his ministry, after he knew that it was going to cause him to be killed. But he gathered them around that table. and, And oh, by the way, as I've said, what an incredibly diverse group that was. The richest and the poorest and everything in between. And what he said was... This is my body. This is my body. Which is broken for you and for many as often as you eat of this. Do it in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took that cup of a new beginning. A cup of a new covenant. And said, this is the cup of the new covenant that will cost me my life. As often as you drink of this, do it in remembrance of me.